0: Enjoy the message.
1: Our title this morning is Our God Who Sits High. Your thinking or your theology of what you know about God reflects a lot in your life. The way you worship, the way you conduct your life depends on what you believe about who God is. The reflection of who you are in the daily life that you live is a reflection of the word of God and what you think of him. I I said our God sits high and I want you to know that God is still on the throne. The tomb is empty the last time I checked but the throne is occupied and how many give God thanks for that? If the throne is occupied then therein is the power of God. When you worship God, when you render praise unto him, why do we lift up our hands? Why does Pastor Manolo always say, look into your neighbor's blue eyes? Because our sight is on high. We don't look upon this world as a testament of who we are and who God is. As you can tell by the news and what's going on, we're living in a chaotic world. But as we look upon above the, the heavens, we know and understand that there is a God in heaven. And if there's a God in heaven, we know that the blessings come down. We know if there's a God in heaven, there's healing. If there's a God in heaven, there is someone who's reigning. You see, the devil is called the prince of darkness, the prince of the air, but he's only a prince. We have sitting at the right hand of throne of God is our Lord and Savior, and he is King of kings yeah. and Lord of lords. Yeah. Who rules greater, a king or a prince? Yeah. So I'm telling you, who you serve is a king above the devil, above all demons, yeah. about anything that can afflict your life. You serve the king of kings and Lord of lords. Yeah. And do you have any authority in this world given to you only by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Yeah. And whatever may come your way, whatever may difficulties may come your way, so long as he's king of kings, there's nothing too hard for God. I said there's nothing too hard for God. Amen. Amen. I want you to plant your finger there, and we're we're gonna we're gonna sit on Isaiah 66, one and two, even though in your outline we got more verses, but we're We're going to come back to Isaiah 66. One thing I've learned to do is to sit on a certain verse and just stay there. Because the Word of God is living, amen? Amen. In the times that we are living in, how many have realized that uh, Hamas and Hezbollah has been attacking Israel and uh, hundreds of people have have died already and uh, there's great war going on and... To me, it doesn't worry me because I know that the coming of the Lord is coming real soon. The nations will rise against Israel as we're seeing it right now, and we're praying for the peace of Israel, amen? But one thing that I noticed that the Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu on live television came up and he said, we are declaring a war. And every time that man stands up before he kneels down before God, man always loses. You see, that's been the trouble of Israel and that's why the, the prophet Isaiah declares this through the word of God that you're so proudful, you're so proud of who you are Speaking of Israel, but I believe it speaks of us today. You're so proud of who you are. You're so proud of your accomplishments. You're so proud that you're a nation. You're so proud that God has chosen you, Israel. And I'm speaking to you tonight, today, that the Lord said, and he kind of gives a stand back and he says, wait a minute. Heaven is my throne. And the leaders might declare, we are declaring war, and that's man for you. But God is waiting. When are you going to come before me and kneel before me and ask for God's protection? See, he came up on television declaring war instead of getting down on their knees and asking for God's protection. That's been the story of Israel, has been dependent on their own wealth, has been dependent on their own armies, have been depending on their own things since the beginning of time. But what have we seen? A proudful nation. We have seen a a nation who forgets about their God. And I'm telling you, in judgment, I believe not only Israel, but our nation and our church can stand prideful before God. God. We can come to church, we can worship, we can sing a song, we can do all the things that seem religious, but in our lives, it doesn't seem that way that we put God first, amen? And God is saying, I am here. And he says, where is the house you can build for me, O Israel? You know, they believe they can contain God In a temple, in a sanctuary, but God is saying, I am above a sanctuary. And He's telling the church, why does God dwell within us? The Bible says, where two or three gathered in my name, there will I be also. When there is worship, the Bible says that God dwells in the midst of His people. We can't contain God. But when we get together and we begin to worship God, he honors himself in our presence. Did you hear what I just said? He doesn't honor you. He honors himself in the presence where we get to glorify and magnify. The word magnify means greater. The ability that we have when we come into this place in worship is to be able to magnify his greatness. His greatness, not ours. And declare to him who is like the Lord. Amen. God's throne is a place of majesty and honor. Someone asked me, why do you always wear your Sunday best? You know what? Because I'm going to go see the king. You know, if we knew that a politician was going to come and, or the president, or we'd all come in suits and ties. Right. And, but you know what? Who's here is not a local politician Who's here is our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? And we're going to give him the best of our praises. Amen? Amen. How many worship the Lord? Isaiah 6.1 says, Isaiah sees the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. When we worship God, we allow the Holy Spirit's presence to fill this place. That's why I don't believe that As if you come to worship God, you leave the same person as you left in this place. If you left this building feeling the same way, discouraged, down and out, amen, that shouldn't be the case because this is the house of God. Amen. It doesn't mean he dwells here continually, but it means when we get together in this place to worship him, he makes his presence known, Amen. And how many need a touch from the Lord this morning? Amen? Amen. It reminds me of of Psalms 121. What should be our cry to the Lord? And he says, the psalmist says in Psalms 121, I will lift up my my eyes to the hill. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord Who made heaven and earth? See, our worship is based on a God who's awesome and great. Our worship is based upon Him who made the heavens and the earth. And in verse three, He says, I will not let your foot be moved. He will keep you, He will not slumber. Behold, He who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is a shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Yeah. Should I say it in Spanish? ¿De dónde vendrá mi socorro? Mi socorro viene de Jehová, quien hizo los cielos you see, our worship is based on someone who's greater than I. See, the psalmist David, maybe his surroundings were war and difficulty. His children were in disarray. His kingdom was in disarray. All around him was war. And his children, his, one of his own children was going against him to take his kingdom. There was chaos all around King David. And he got to a point where he said, where does my help come from? Where can I get out of this situation? And he said, I will look upon the hills. That's the first thing he looked upon. Why? Because a mountain is greater than humanity, right? That's the first thing he saw. And he thought, man, he made that mountain. I know the God who, who made that mountain. And then he says, who made heaven and earth. He said, I am here looking at all the difficulties around me, but I forget to look up. Sometimes we can't look up above our difficulties and our problems. And we complain and we murmur and we think that this is what God wants for us. No, sir. God wants you to look above it all. Like the psalmist David says, I will lift up mine eyes. I will look upon the hills above the hills and I will look upon the heaven because that's where God is. Amen. We're looking something greater above ourselves. Amen. The Bible says that when Jesus ascended into heaven in Hebrews chapter 12, verses two, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And what is he doing there? In first Timothy two, five says, for there's one God, And one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. You know what a mediator is? It's like an attorney, someone who fights for your case, someone who knows who you are and goes to the Father to pray for you, to ask him to give you strength. If you knew that God was praying for you, would you worry as much as you do now? If you knew that God knows exactly what you're going through and he's praying to the Father to help you through, would you worry as much as you do now? I ain't getting no amens. You guys all right? Would you worry about your children knowing that God is looking out for them? Would you worry as much? You know what I would do? I would say, God, this is in your hands. You are standing as a mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Why should I trust him? Because he lived a life, a human life. Yes, the Bible says he cried. The Bible says he was tempted. The Bible said he hungered. Even the Bible said he fell asleep in a boat while there was waves going around him. The disciples didn't know what to do. It says, how can the Lord sleep in the middle of a storm? And I could imagine the best sleep he had was in the middle of a wave because it was just rocking him to sleep and they woke him up and did he get upset i says oh you know what he says oh men of little faith Amen. amen even those who were following him didn't realize who he was because at that time he gets up and he says peace be still and the waves just became calm everything around him became calm and at that moment the disciple says who is this man Who, even even the waters obey him. Man, these were from disciples. If they doubted, we can doubt too. These men were with Jesus. These men were walking with him. These men were talking with him. These men slept with him. These men walked with him, ate with him, everything. But they didn't realize that he was the Son of God until that moment where they really needed him to make a move because they were scared. And at that moment, Jesus got up and he calmed the waters. Then they realized who is this man? And you would think they'd know by now. The difficulties and the problems in our life can blind us, can at a moment's notice blind us in who we are in Christ and what God has done for us in our life. For a moment, we can, we can see the difficulties around us and say, God is not with me. God has abandoned me. God is not with me. How, how, can, how can I call myself a Christian if, if I keep going to this? And how can I call myself a son of God when everything around me is so difficult and, and things are not going my way? That's the work of the enemy. Wanted you to, to surround you with your problems and difficulties and for you not to look above it all and see that there's a God looking out for you. I'm praying for you, Amen. There is no higher place than heaven. Amen to that? God is the king of heaven and Jesus holds that place of honor of God's right hand. That's the, that's the place of authority. We don't have authority in ourselves, but we have it in Christ Jesus. When we pray, we pray in authority of Christ Jesus. Amen. Who is this Lord and God that we speak about and that we worship? Revelations Chapter 4, verses 8 through 11, gives us a a beautiful picture of who he is. And in your outline, you'll be able to see Revelation chapter 4, verses 8 through 11. And it says, And the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings, are full of eyes around and within them. And day and night they do not cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty who was and who is and who is to come. That, that tells me that God's eternal presence is not limited by time. He has always been present and will come in the future. When the Bible declares holy, 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 he is speaking upon the blessed Trinity. That's for your case, amen? The Lord, the Almighty, not the weak one, Sometimes I wonder what kind of God we, we we worship. Sometimes I wonder what kind of Jesus you worship. He's not some weak, amen, weak or a hippie that with long hair and, and blue eyes and walks around in sandals, and, and, and you know he's he's just out there. He's you know no, he's the Lord God Almighty, amen. amen. There is strength in him. You know, and we're living in a in a world that you know that strength is, is seen as bad. You know, as 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 strength is seen as, as as a as a danger to society, and we and men are no, no longer could be men anymore. You know, we, we we see that as 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 a weakness, but in godly fear, in godly manliness, in godly womanhood, we see a reflection of God's glory upon our lives. And we speak upon authority of him who gave his life on the cross for ransom for me and for you and I, amen? Amen. He declares them who was, who is, and who is to come. See, he is the Lord of the past. He is the Lord of the present. And he is the Lord of the future. Nothing surprises our God. The most beautiful thing about my God, well, you know, my wife knows a little bit about my past. I don't tell her, I haven't told her everything. <laughs> she knows me right now. And she has a kind of a vague idea of what our future's gonna be, kind of, you know, she's yeah, we're gonna grow old and you know, and but you know, and but she's with me, she loves me, she knows who I am, she's been with me all this time, 24 years, <gasps> <at> 24. <yeah. laughs> What was the applause for? <laughs> yeah, wanted that. That's, Suffering brings uh, wisdom, amen. There's, there's a verse in the Bible in Corinthians that says, love is long-suffering. It's the old King James. And I told the couple, you know what long-suffering means? In marriage it means it's going to be long and there's going to be suffering. That's an old word. They don't. They don't. They took out that old word now. I like the old stuff. But she only knows a little bit about who I am. But she trusts me. But there is a God who knows you before you were even born. He knows you every single thing about you, your past. He knows you now more than your wife, more than anybody know. When you're all alone and there's nobody else, He knows who you are. And The great thing about this is that he knows your future. Because he knows your past, the Bible says who is, who was, and is to come. He has dealt with your past. He's working your present, and he's securing your future. What are you so worried about? Honestly, what are you so worried about? Are you depending on your own strength and your own ability? Are you depending on your own past experiences to live your life that you got to live? Well, I've been through this before. I I know what to do. No, sir. No, ma'am. He knows you. And the most important things that we got to do is to trust in him, to believe in him. If he's brought you up to this point, that means he's going to take you forward. See, God doesn't do a half job. He just doesn't start. You know, I start a lot of things. I was supposed to finish a bunch of projects, you know, but my wife's got target lists and uh, and Ross and, you know, and, and I'm weak and I and I fall for them and I and I say, oh, okay, you know, but my, you know, I I don't get things done, you know, but uh, I, I lost my frame of thought. That's that's what target does to you. <laughs> <laughs> but God knows. When he began to work in you, he's going to finish it. Nobody here is a mistake. We make mistakes, but in God's plan and in God's eyes, you are not a mistake. He knows what he began in you, and he knows the struggle that you are dealing with right now. And believe me, brother and sister, is that he knows your future. And if you worry more about your future, then you're not really depending on who God is. Because he sustained you up to this point. And if he sustained you up to this point, that means he's going to keep you. Yeah, that means you got to tough it out. Yeah, that means, you know, your husband's not always going to be the nicest guy, but you got to tough it out. That means your situation is not going to be flowers and nice. That means you got to tough it out. You know why? Because if God is giving you the strength to get up to this point, believe me, he's going to see you through. Amen? Amen. Man, we got a, we got a life here of, of people just quit. They just want to quit. The first thing they do, oh, I don't like them. I'm going to quit. That's it. That's why people live together before they get married. That's, that's not right. That's a step of faith when you get married. You find out the feet smell. You find out, uh, you know, all kinds of things. But then you say, oh, well, that's the person I love. That's who I'm with, you know. Oh, that's all right. I don't need to get amens on that one. Verse 9 in Revelation 4, 9 says, And when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever. I'm giving you a picture of what it is our God and what it means to participate in his glory. In verse 10, the 24 elders will fall down before him who sits on the throne and will worship him who lives forever and ever and will cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you Lord and our God to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and because your will, they existed and were created. They, They received those crowns of honor because they deserved it. They endured to the end. But when they came before the one who actually gave them the crown of suffering that they had to go through, of whatever they had to go through, when they came before our Lord, they removed their crowns, knelt before the Lord, and they put the crown before him because he is the only one who is worthy to receive all honor and all glory. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise. The most beautiful thing about God's throne, it's a place of grace. When we speak of God's throne, the Jews consider it only heaven, that that is his throne, that is his abode, this is his living place. God's throne is a place of of majesty, yes. God's throne is a throne of justice where he executes justice. God's throne is a throne of worship where there's constantly worship. But the most beautiful thing about God's throne, it's a throne and it's a place of grace. Not only does the throne of God represent judgment for the unbeliever, but it also represents mercy and grace for his children. Yes. Hebrews 4:16, you might have that on your outline. It says, let us then approach God's throne of what? Of grace. With sadness, with, with, with fear, with what? With confidence, not in yourself, but being in the one who deserves it. You say, so that we may receive what? Mercy Mercy and find what? To help us in our time of need. You see, when Christ did it all on Calvary, right on Calvary, he took our sins, he took our our sickness, any form of disease, he took it upon his shoulders for us. And because he did that, we're able to approach the throne of God with confidence, knowing that this is not only a judgment seat, which will be in the future, but a a throne of power, a throne of justice, but there's a throne of grace because of Jesus that we can approach confidently knowing since Christ, you did it all for me. There's nothing that I can offer you because you've already did it on my behalf. So I have nothing else to offer but to come before you, your throne of grace. It's a place of majesty, of power, but mostly of grace. There's another thing that I want us to return in verse two of Isaiah 66. It says, verse 1, where it says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. I took a little time and thought about what is a footstool? God used this metaphor to help us comprehend how great he is and how insignificant we are by comparison If our entire planet is nothing but a footstool to our Creator, how small are we in the grand scheme of things? How small are we are? If he says, heaven is my throne, this earth that we are living is his footstool. That's where he rests his feet. I mean, that's nothing that's insignificant. That's dirty. Even when the, the, even when Jesus came to his disciples and he put them on the footstool and he went to go wash their feet, they were offended. They got mad. But Jesus came to to be at a place where at a place at their feet, at their footstool, as an example. It was humbling. That's why it was so startling for them. But Christ. The man Christ Jesus, when he came onto this earth, he left his throne of glory. He left his throne of glory to dwell amongst us. He put on a, a flesh and dwelt among us. And not only did he dwell among us, he hungered among us. They spat on him for us. He was betrayed by one of his own friends that he entrusted the money. Judas, he was a treasure. I would never have chosen him. But you know that God knows everything and he chose him even knowing that he was gonna betray him? Would you do that? I I wouldn't choose you if I knew you were gonna betray me. I would not choose you. But you know, God is different. His throne of grace is much different. Being in, in all majesty, he comes to this earth and he kneels down before the disciples and to begin to wash their feet. And good old Peter, the most prideful of them all, Lord, you will not touch my feet. You will not do anything like that. And the Lord said, if I, you do not let me wash your feet, you will have no part in me. Oh, man. There goes his pride. The Lord of glory coming down to wash his feet. And Peter said, Lord, not only my feet, but my whole body. His pride went out the door. Because the one who is glorious in majesty come to this earth to serve others, to give his life for us and to kneel down at the place of humility for us. That says a lot of him. And that's why in him, the elders cast all their crowns before him and says, you deserve all the praise. You deserve all the glory. I am nothing but dirt. I am worthless. But you have ransomed me. You have paid the price for me. You've picked me up and changed me and made me a new person. And now my praise is not from pride. My place of worship is not from my own accomplishment, but because in you who've done it all for me and for my case, I praise you and I lift you up. Amen. Psalms 110, verses 1, says, Which has the Father saying to the Son, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. But you know, now the footstool is going to be different. He's not going to be humbled anymore. He said, Now until I make the enemies to be placed at your footstool. Those who mocked him, those who mocked him, his enemies will one day kneel before him. See, if we don't kneel for him now, the Bible says that one day we will kneel before the Lord, our Savior. If you don't do it now, believe me, you will one day because the world will declare that he is Lord of all lords and King of kings, amen? He asked this question to the children of Israel and he asked us, what is a house that you will build for me? John 1.1 lets us know in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was anything made that was made. And the word became what? Flesh Flesh and dwelt among us. The word dwelt means tabernacle, means a meeting place between God and his people. God gave the design of the tabernacle to the children of Israel as they were roaming the wilderness. He gave them the exact coordinations of what to do. And one of the most beautiful temples that God ordained to be done was Solomon's temple. It would have been a glorious temple if we were able to see it in our own eyes, but it was destroyed. It was burnt down. It had inlays of gold, designs of palm trees. It was the most beautiful temple you could ever imagine that God did design, was made by the hands of Solomon. Solomon. King David's son, because King David had too much blood in his hand. He was too much of a warrior. There was too much fight in him. And God says, no, you've got too much, but your son, Solomon, he's gonna build a temple where I will dwell. But that temple, soon enough, burned down. You see, God doesn't wanna dwell in temples made of hands. God wants to dwell in you. Did you hear what I said? You can enter the most glorious temple, the most beautiful cathedral, and be the most emptyest person because the temple where God wants to dwell is in you. The next question he asks this in verse, verse 2. I build you up to this point, the glorious God, the magnificent God who came down. But he says, and he asks one thing, but to this one, I will look to him who is what? Humble, contrite a spirit and trembles at my word. And this is the one that God will look upon. Being in glory and in majesty, he wants to be with you. He wants to look upon you. But the requirement that God is asking is that you be humble. In other words, pride can't exist. You you, you can't, you, I know you've made it this far, honey, but it wasn't because of you. There's a lot of pride in us. But God is saying, To the one I will look is the one who is humble. Not only humble, but contrite in spirit. And what else? Who trembles at my word. Who trembles at the word of God. We might have it in our home and it's collecting dust. Probably only like five of them. But there is something when you tremble at the word of God. And I looked that up. Says, what do you mean, tremble? Am I supposed to be scared of the word of God? Am I supposed to be. No. What that means is that you have respectful awe of God's word. Amen. That you believe what's written in the word of God. That this is God's word for my life. He looks. Beyond beauty and temples, and he looks on brokenness. He looks upon people who need him. He looks upon people who don't have pride, are willing and are willing to give his heart to him. Is that you today? Are you willing to let go of everything else and be humble in his presence? Do you understand? That has been God all along, all along, who has kept you. Where are your friends now that you grew up with? Where is that barrio you used to hang out with? Where all those guys you used to be with? Where all those women, they used to hang out and party. Where are they now? You think you're lucky? You think you made it because you're smart? You think you've made it because you got street smarts? I'm sorry to tell you, there was someone looking out for you. There was someone who had his eye on you. I want to share Psalm 1611 with a mark. If you would accompany me, please. Psalm 1611, you might have it in your outline. says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there's fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I wish to share one more thing. Isaiah 55, verses eight through nine. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways My ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So as the heaven is high, so am I. Pastor Manolo told us yesterday, if you present your plans to God, that's the best way to make him laugh because he's already planned it out for you. You know, we feel uncomfortable and we get anxiety not knowing what our future is. We plan our days, we got calendars galore and we believe that we're gonna be at a certain hour at a certain time. I'll see you on Thursday morning but you don't know if on Wednesday morning you have a car accident. I'm anguish in my heart. My sister in law is in the hospital right now. We don't know the result. She's so young, so young right now. She takes care of everybody. She's a nurse, but she never really took care of her physical body. She's in the hospital right now. And my brother's pleading and praying every hour. Would you pray for my wife? Would you pray? I need you. I need prayer. I'm I'm asking you. No, I'm pleading to you. Please don't wait to the last minute to seek God. If you're in this place right now, it's because God has brought you here. You didn't make a wrong turn on Brand Boulevard. God brought you in this place for a reason. But your heart is full of pride. Your heart is not humble. And God wants to work in your life right now. God wants to work in your heart right now. It'd be so much easier if you trusted him. the burden would be so much less if you'd be able to trust in God who knows from your beginning to your end. And if you know that he knows your beginning from your end, you will be able to trust him because we love to have control over our lives. We control those around us. We control even the ones that we love because we're so anxious and we believe that if we don't do certain things, they'll leave us. They, they'll just drop us at a top of time. That's been, a, that's been our relationship. This has been our families. Even as a kid, I remember they would say, hey, we're going to go to so-and-so place and every kid said, hey, wait for me. Don't leave me. It's always been something great in our mind. But God has said I've always been there for you. I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. I'd love you very much.
0: We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare Him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father,